Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with Angela Hosking, author and founder of Her One Tribe. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of On the Spot. I am your host, Melinda Garvey. And as always, I'm excited to bring you another incredible, relatable role model. And today is no different. We are welcoming Angela Husking. She is the founder of Her One Tribe. Angela, we're so glad to have you on the show and excited to hear your story. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate being here and I'm excited to learn more about the work that you are doing as well. I like to start by going way back and talking about what was your big dream when you were growing up? What do you think you were going to be doing? Because I think we find that, you know, paths are, are not always straight. And sometimes we get, you know, off track because we think we're supposed to be on this straight path. And we just like to show where you thought you'd be and where you've ended up. So what was your big dream growing up? Well, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a writer. I was the kid that when we went to the library and they would only let you take out 10 books for every two weeks, I was upset about that because I was diving into at least a book a day. And I started keeping a journal and wanted to, uh, I thought at the time, be a fictional writer. And it's funny that you talk about going way back because now where I'm at in my life, I'm actually coming full circle and, and actually achieving that dream. But I went down a very varying path. I started out with an English degree and was going to be a journalism major, flipped into nursing, got my bachelor's of nursing degree, took care of oncology patients. And I went to school and got a nursing degree, went up the leadership track and got my master's in nursing, healthcare leadership and a master's in business. And then about four years ago, started writing again and published my first book this year. So it definitely has been a complete 360 degree circular turn of learning and living and finding what brings me joy and passion in my life. You talked about being in healthcare, which is super different from journalism. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, and of course people can have multiple passions. How did you get into nursing and healthcare? And then what inspired you to leave that track and do what you're doing now? So I think some of the similarities between nursing and communicating as a writer is that you want to be able to build relationships with people and that you want to be able to maybe help educate or teach people. Those are the similarities between the two. Actually, I had my first daughter pregnant with my first child and had a wonderful relationship with a nurse practitioner. And I was so curious about all things medical related and began immersing myself into, again, reading everything that I could about pregnancy and childcare. And my husband was actually the one that said, you know, do you want to go back to school? Do you want to go back and get a nursing degree? And I was like, yeah, I think I do. And so to your point, I then had to take all the science classes as a young girl growing up. I didn't really feel like teachers were sort of pointing you toward the science direction and found I had an absolute love for chemistry and biology and Not many people discover that kind of (laughs) later in life, right? That they have that passion. But I love it because you were inspired by a role model, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, someone who you saw doing a job and you thought, wow, that really inspires me and I could do that. And that makes me feel good. And that's really important and why we try to expose women to so many role models. Agreed. Agreed. You can't be what you can't see. 
That's right. That's our motto. Well, so and then what made you take the leap then back out of healthcare? So you're in healthcare, you know, for many years and obviously in leadership positions. And what made you say, you know what, I've got something else in my toolkit here. What do I want to do? Well, I think it was twofold. I think there were some changes in the political climate around 2016 that sort of woke me up as a professional woman and a woman with two adult daughters. I sort of thought I was leaving the world in a better place for them to feel that they could do everything that they wanted to do. And I sort of thought, whoa, wait a minute, we're still struggling for that equity and the equality. And I was really passionate about growing and coaching women leaders within my organization. And I started a passion project. I created a blog. I didn't even know what a blog was, to be honest with you. I was 45 and uh, you know, I, I'd read a few of them, but I thought this is a way for me to start to begin to share some of the things that I've learned, the lessons along the way that I wish my younger self had known and mentor and coach you know, women leaders that are coming up. And the funny thing about the blog, it took off quite well. The funny thing was my readers then began asking sort of the prequel questions of being a leader is, well, how do I have the confidence? Or how do I not feel like I'm an imposter in the workplace setting? Or how do I navigate the challenges that maybe somebody doesn't think that I'm smart enough to tackle the job because I'm you know, not a guy in leadership? And so I really began to dive in and understand the answers to those questions. I became a student, again, a reader of understanding the societal constructs that sort of have been set up for us and that we set up for ourselves. And how could I then teach myself the tricks and the tips and turn around and teach other women? And so it morphed into creating workshops, speaking opportunities, and bringing women Women together to have these conversations and support each other. And really my goal, my mission was that, you know, if we're going to change the world, we have to empower each other and lift each other up first. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you mentioned that you just recently released a new book called Woman on Top, Lead Like a Lady Boss. And would love to for you to sort of, you know, share a little bit about the book and maybe some of the key pieces of advice that you give in that book. Sure. Well, when I inherited my first team as a leader, I, like every other new leader, was very eager and excited to be the boss. I had a little under 100 direct reports. I had a 36-bed inpatient nursing unit. And I went to the library to start to read more about growing and developing people. And lo and behold, most of the books were written by men with a man's perspective and point of view. And what I was looking for was sort of a down and dirty tactical, how do I build that trust? How do I begin to engage the team? How do I coach people effectively? And everything that that I was reading was a little more strategic or, you know, very 50,000 foot view. And I really wanted a down and dirty manual. And so my motto has always been, if it's not there, go and create it. And so the book really takes any new leader and whether that's a, a leader in a formal position or a leader out in the community or a leader within your church, it resonates with all of that. But really it takes you through the steps and learning how to get a team to work together cohesively, how to understand and communicate with people in a way that is mutually helpful and how to you know really gain visibility as a woman in the professional workplace, whether you're an entrepreneur or in the corporate workplace, um, and feel comfortable owning those things. And I call it the lady boss advantage that we bring to the table that is wired in our DNA, wired in our cultural upbringing, and use those to our advantage because that's the key right there. We're better listeners, we're better communicators, you know, science has shown, and why not use the skills that we have to the best of our advantage? Right. Absolutely. And so you mentioned a couple of those, you know, better listeners, better communicators, but you know, what do you think are some of the key leadership qualities that are really distinctly different with women and how do you suggest using those? I think most women are naturally relationship builders. And I think in today's work environment, being able to tap into the people working with you on a very servant and 
personal level, not being their friend, but understanding and respecting who they are as people, understanding what motivates them and what they want out of life. And I think bringing that skill set of understanding and wanting to support and grow and develop them, we're naturally a little more nurturing. We like to take care of people, so to speak. And so I think looking at your team or your employee in that respect, not so much about what can you do for me, but how can I do for you? So you've obviously been in sort of that corporate America, the business end of it. And what do you see as some of the greatest challenges that women are facing today in the workplace? You know, it's interesting. The more that I've conducted my workshops and done some coaching, and I've actually gone into corporations who are very heavily male-centric corporations, and they brought their women leaders together, and we did some work together. I feel like it's twofold. It's it's definitely the societal construct of, you know, understanding that diversity at the table is so important and that we need men championing women. When we see other leaders like ourselves, we, we tend to champion them. And if there's more men at the top, they tend to champion what resonates like them. But the other piece that I've learned is we women have some digging deep to do and understand the behaviors and things that we do that also lends itself to keeping us in the same place. We tend to be very cognizant of being polite, waiting our turn, waiting to be noticed, you know, going up the ranks of the traditional schooling of getting all the degrees and all the certifications and the A++++ pluses and thinking that that then will get us to a seat at the table when really what we need to be doing is feeling valued and valuable enough to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm ready to go. Even though I don't feel ready to go, I'm going to go. And that's a thing that men do not have a problem doing, but we women do. Well, and it's interesting. I just recently read an article, I think it was a Harvard Business Review article, that someone was talking about all this unconscious bias training that was happening and that it really wasn't working because we we're trying to take women you know, in companies and say, okay, here's how the men do it successfully. So we need to do it like that too. And that's what's happening a lot in companies and that the training is sort of trying to get men to not have those prejudice, but also then training the women like, okay, these are the things you need to do to be successful. You know, so how do we turn the table on that, you know, and really own our differences and really create that value. I think the more women that we have in those leadership roles and demonstrating how that they have been successfully a leader, I tell people all the time, I mean, and, and this is exactly what I went through in, in my book, I thought the things that made me uniquely a woman in the way that I led was what made me very successful. And it's just different. I certainly had objectives and goals and developed a team just in the same way as a man would do, but I did it with my own style. And that brought to it my values of being a builder, a relationship connector, a listener, involving the key stakeholders and uh, making sure that everyone had a voice. And I think that that can be more effective. I read some study recently that actually women as leaders are more effective as leaders. (laughs) And I think that they're more effective as leaders when they embrace their female qualities, which just are innate and natural in us. I think sometimes the leaders that aren't as effective because they're trying to do, you know, and understandably, right? Those are their only role models. See it to be it, right? Well, if your only role model is a man and you're trying to lead like a man, which is very different, but I think that, you know, and people react differently to it. So it's really, it's just very interesting as, you know, as companies are trying to navigate, you know, all of this and the needle isn't moving because I just think there's still so much confusion around it. You know, certainly important, all the work that you're doing with women. So that's awesome. So let's discuss the word tribe because I love that you're one tribe. That's a key word for me. And I'm always talking to women about finding their tribe. So why do you think it's so important? Tell me a little bit about what that word means to you and then about the importance of women being able to find their tribe and how that can really help them succeed. 
So for me, it's a funny story. The initial name of my blog, and lesson to anyone who starts a blog, make sure that what it says means something to somebody else and not just you. <laughs> Don't be too clever. <laughs> I had leadership elevate her, like leadership elevator, like elevator to the top, which is what my blog initially started out. But as I began to build a community, and I have an online community, we began referring to ourselves as a tribe in that we put each other first. In other words, we made sure that when someone had a success or a win, everybody acknowledged it, recognized them for it, pushed them. When someone had a moment where they were feeling not quite ready to do, they empowered and encouraged. And so I really think I felt, you know, and I'm 52 years old, I was fed a lie and a line that women are mean to each other somewhere back in the day. And especially with a scarcity mindset in corporate America, where, you know, if there's only one woman at the table, well, I better claw my way up there and, you know, dump my sister. But really that's self-defeating behavior because the more, and again, just what I reiterated before, the more women in high level positions, the more that they see women like them to pull up alongside of them. And my number one quote is, I stand on the shoulders of the woman that came before me and I lean to lift up the women that come after because we'll get there faster, stronger, better together. And I want to leave a legacy for my daughters that it's easier for them. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think that you just answered sort of my, the next question on the tip of my tongue because I love the empowered women empower women. That's actually a tagline for on the dot as well. And I just believe that to my core that, you know, and just what you were saying is the pay it forward. And I think that naturally when we're in that scarcity mindset, because that's what we know, we go, ooh, you know, we get that jealous feeling if we see somebody or we maybe don't want to promote another person because we feel like oh, that might be taking away from us. And so just the concept of, the more you empower others, the more you're empowered, I think is, is just super important, you know, in what you're doing. And it makes such a difference when you are surrounding yourself with other women who have that same mindset, because there is no competition. There is only excitement of let's go do this together. And, you know, you might hit a level a little bit before I do, and that's okay because you're paving the way for me and you're going to teach me how to get there as well. And so I definitely think as I have grown and developed this community, um, what a difference it makes to be in a community of women that all feel the same way. None of that middle school back stabby <laughs> you know stuff stuff that we all were indoctrinated to in the sixth grade right and it's just it's wonderful that's awesome well tell us a little bit more about this community and sort of what's involved in, in everything you do and how other women can get involved Sure. Well, I have a virtual community and a, you know, a physical community, so to speak. So the virtual community is free. It's a Facebook group called Her One Tribe and anyone can join. The only caveat is we say no mean girls allowed. You know, on Wednesdays, we promote women business owners. They can put their favorite something that they're selling or their favorite community project or something that they'd like other women to help support in there. You know, we make sure that we're always supporting other women in the different workshops and in the different places that I go and conduct workshops. It's small little groups of women that are working together together to build accountability and support each other. At Her One Tribe on Instagram is another place I like to be active. I think promoting positive messaging around supporting women. And oftentimes we'll have a Woman Crush Wednesday where we tag a woman that inspired you today. So just again, fostering that community of managing up and supporting and giving a shout out to women that are doing wonderful things, much like I think what you're doing here with your podcast, so that other women can see it and believe it as well too. That's amazing. Okay, so we're going to get to know a little bit about you in our speed round. We just like to have a few details about your life personally. So what does your morning routine look like? 
So about three years ago, I got very intentional about my morning routine, and I can tell you that it's completely changed my life. I always start my morning with gratitude practice, and I know lots of people say that, but I do it every single morning. I write down five things that I was grateful for in the last 24 hours. I specifically am looking for those golden nuggets, even when it might have been a hard day. And then I journal for creativity. So whatever project or speech I'm working on, or if I'm writing an article, I've started an outline for my second book, then I spend about 30 minutes working on that. And it's my coffee time. It's my quiet time before I ever look at my phone, before I ever hit the email or hit the work of the day. And that's been very intentional for me. I do get up the hour earlier just to make sure I have that time. That's amazing. Okay, what are you currently reading or listening to? So I just finished two phenomenal books and one I want to give a shout out to. It's a woman author. I just finished Taking the Work Out of Networking by Karen Wicker. And I think she really beautifully explains, especially with a woman growing and developing, how important her network is and not networking in the sense of, you know, I go and pass out my business card. It's generally keeping the people in your environment, warm contacts, sharing an article or something for someone else that you think might be meaningful, connecting to people that you know have a common interest, really using your network like your tribe to build and develop and help other women as well. So I thought that was a great book. And then the other one I just finished reading was called The Proximity Principle by Ken Coleman. And Ken really outlines a lot of the things that I have done with this second act of my life, which was recreating what my passion was and how I could just start doing it and just to start. So I think that's a great book for women to read as well. Oh, that's awesome. And what's one thing you can't live without? I probably have to say my husband. He and I have been together. We've been, we were high school sweethearts. So oh I've my been, goodness. I know. <laughs> I've been with this man. Let's see, we've been married for 29 years and together for 36. And he is truly my champion, my supporter, my best friend, my comrade of arms. And he has been that one mainstay throughout my life that has helped me to be everything that I can be. And I love him. Oh, that's wonderful. And what's one piece of advice that you would give your 10 years ago self or 20 years ago self, just when you were a young woman, what would that piece of advice be looking back? I think twofold. I think number one is don't worry so much about where you're at today. Just keep your eye on what you want to do for tomorrow and keep plugging toward it. I think to your point about how our paths can be circular or sideways, I hear my adult daughters freaking out because they're not, you know, perfectly in the top level of their career at 29 or 27. I now know that that's life lends itself opportunities and you have to be ready to take them. And I think the other thing is don't wait to be happy. Finding that passion that I loved as a child that I wanted to be, finding a way to fulfill that writing. I wish I'd done it 10 years ago because it has been such a, a phenomenal bucket filler for me. And yep. so if there's a hobby or something that you love to do and you're, you think, oh, one day I'm going to do that, I would tell you start today. Do it now. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. So tell everybody how they can find you and connect with you and find your book and all that good stuff. Sure. So my website is heronetribe.com and I've got a ton of free blog posts there, free content. I have links to a 21 days to a more empowered you workbook that's there. And I also have recommendations for other books and podcasts. So that's on there. And then at her one tribe is where I hang out mostly on Instagram. And then my book is available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble called woman on top lead like a lady boss. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing today and appreciate all the work that you're doing to help women. And I know that it's going to make a great impact. So we'll be watching to see what you do next and we'll be watching out for your next book. Thank you, Melinda. I appreciate it. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free daily newsletter and audio brief, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Let us know your thoughts or what you want to hear next from at 
On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're here to help you become the best boss babe you are meant to be. 